did a whole variety of things uh, uh, that should have killed us as well. Uh, <laughs> Been we, there. We picked a few. <laughs> are here at Sun Sounds of Arizona in sunny Flagstaff, Arizona, and welcome to episode seven, whoa, yeah. of Untamed Truths <laughs> Women Talk Theater. I'm Hannah. I'm Dawn. And I'm Becky. And welcome to today's episode. Can you believe this is already our seventh episode? Seven months. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Thank you all so much, everyone, for joining us for the past seven months. Dawn. Who are we chatting with today? Today, we are joined by renowned Shakespeare director and wonderful friend, Jim <laughs> Warren. We're glad to have Jim back. Uh, he directed our summer shows this summer, Midsummer Night's Dream and Hamlet, after directing our winter shows last year of Twelfth Night and No Spring Chicken. And we're so excited to have him here. Woo! Yay. Woo! Yay. My, name, my middle name is my middle name is not technical difficulty. <laughs> yes, everyone out there, we have been struggling to get this podcast started for about 45 minutes. So uh, you're hearing the final product. Um, yay, Jim! Can you quickly tell us about yourself, your background, anything you want the humans out in the internet world to know? Wow. Uh, uh, how about the first thing is that I am a Navy brat. So it <laughs> is possible for the kid of a military person to grow up really, really liberal and start a theater company. Uh, 30, 33 years ago, I started a, a Shakespeare company in Virginia. We, we were called Shenandoah Shakespeare Express for a good number of years, but that was really hard on people with lists. So we changed our name to the American Shakespeare Center uh, in 2005. So we started in 1988 and we toured the country and other countries uh, for a good number of years and then built our own theater that opened in 2001. In September of 2001, I would not recommend Oops. that date for starting a new business venture, but mm -hmm. we were... Uh, we were the product of our time. Um, uh, and that theater is the Blackfriars Playhouse, uh, which is the world's only recreation of Shakespeare's indoor theater. Ooh. And we eventually started uh, uh, a partnership with the local college that is now Mary Baldwin University. And that is where Dawn got her <laughs> MFA and where I met Dawn. Yay! Yeah, that's right. And the Blackfriars is absolutely gorgeous. It's my favorite place to watch uh, Shakespeare, not outdoors. Uh, <laughs> <so>. yes, yes. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> and Jim, what are you up to currently? How do you, how do you spend your days besides so grace, gracefully directing many of our plays? <laughs> <laughs> well... I, uh, I, I started uh, uh, the American Shakespeare Center in 1988, and uh, gosh, I guess it's three years ago, I left my own company uh, to do other things. Mm -hmm. And okay. in these last three years, I have been so lucky and fortunate to be able to be a consultant, be a teacher, be a uh, freelance director, uh, and going all over the country uh, and I did not know when I left my company what I was going to do. I just knew that, that that it was time for me to do other stuff in other places. And I kind of thought that I would end up doing 
theater that uses all the bells and whistles of, uh, you know, modern technology, stuff that we did not do with, uh, with the American Shakespeare Center. But as it turns out, I keep getting asked to go places and direct using Shakespeare's <laughs> staging conditions. And, and that's, been, that's been a delight to find out, oh, yes, I guess that's what I should be doing. Um, yeah. So, uh, Once you've seen so it done that way, it's hard to, to go back. Yeah. It so, is. Yeah. And, 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 and it's something that is just, it's so accessible and, uh, and creates this connection between the audience and uh, the actors that it's just really hard to not want to do that. And so, so I'm delighted that that's what, what I've been able to do since, uh, since leaving my company. So uh, I have a. I'm also working on a. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I have a funny story of um, one of my favorite moments of OP theater. So for our audience who doesn't know, this is something that Flag Shakes practices. It, we try to. Um, our original staging practices. And one of the tenants is to keep the lights on the whole play. And mm -hmm. another tenant is to have audience members on stage. And it was a Romeo and Juliet directed by Jim Warren, where uh, Romeo hid on stage next to the last chair on stage during the performances. And I probably watched that performance, I don't know, a dozen times. We were big <laughs> nerds in grad oh, school. Wow. And Woo! yeah, right. And my favorite night of that performance, um, Greg Phelps, who was playing Romeo, kneeled down next to the very last chair. And there was this tiny little girl sitting there. Aww. And, uh, and Juliet, starts talking and Romeo looks right at this little girl and says, shall I hear more or shall I speak at this? And she thought about it and she sat up so straight and then she looked at him and she said, you should probably say something. <laughs> and it was the most delightful moment of theater Aww. I've ever experienced. So thank you for producing that moment of theater, Jim, and for introducing me to original staging practices and for continuing to spread them. Hmm. But yeah, what else are you, you were about to say you're working on something else. What else are you working on? <laughs> uh, well, I, I got uh, approached by a former actor who, who was with me, gosh, a long, long time ago in the, I think, mid-90s. Uh, and he lives in Stratford, Connecticut. And he was there uh, a couple of uh, Januarys ago, when arsonists burned down the oh. uh, the remains of the American Shakespeare Theater Festival, uh, they had so many different yeah. names. Yeah. But but there was a there was a big theater that that was in Stratford, Connecticut, that hadn't been that, that had been gosh derelict, uh, uh, un, unused mm -hmm. since the the late mm -hmm. '80s, and it had just been sitting there, and lots of People were talking about doing different things over the years to, to you know, re-outfit the theater. But it burned down. It burned to the ground. And wow. he gave me a call and said, uh, hey, what do you think about joining me to build something different on this place, hmm. uh, wow. on this land? Huh. And we got to talking. And, and I said, if you're going to build an outdoor theater, I think the best thing to do is to build a globe. Yeah. Uh, and and so we hatched this plan that that includes this whole theater campus on that space uh, to build a recreation of Shakespeare's second Globe Theater, 
Shakespeare's theater burned down as well, uh, <laughs> and they, they rebuilt it in 1614, uh, and nobody else on the planet has tried to recreate that 1614 globe. So we're working on a project that not only would work with Peter McCurdy, uh, to, who, who built the globe in London, the recreation of the globe in London, to not only build this 1614 globe, but also to build a modern performing arts center that has two different spaces in it wow. so that we could do Shakespeare's staging conditions at the globe, but then also in the indoor space have every modern technology thing that you could possibly want and and between the two buildings, do any play under any style that we want. Wow, so nice. we are are working behind the scenes on that uh, to try to make that um, a reality, which Amazing. would be an awesome thing for the theater world to get. Yeah. yeah. And actually, we have been working um, behind the scenes on, on a, a theater of our own called The Mountain Rose. Um, it isn't happening right now, but <laughs> we have been in the works for it for a few years and it would be similar, like a, a campus uh, that would include studios and aerial studios and dance studios oh. and uh, spaces for the actors to live in and rehearse in and, of course, um, an actual open-air theater and all that good stuff. But uh, this reminds me, funnily enough, uh, you guys have to check it out on Instagram. Uh, they followed our... Uh, our flag shakes instagram so i kind of like snooped on them a little bit they're called the container globe oh yeah there's a bunch of weird angus <laughs> oh do you know him i know angus vale he used to be one of the road that's managers so cool. for the rock band kiss ah, what? that's so wow. cool oh my gosh jim you know him yes so it's so interesting for anyone out there who doesn't know what it is definitely look it up it's called the container globe but um he's trying to make a globe out of like shipping containers um wow. anyway it's very interesting Sounds but there's sustainable. a yeah it's really cool there's actually a lot of people out there who are doing interesting weird stuff like that so uh yeah yeah cool. also shameless plug if there are any donors out there who want to donate thousands of dollars for this mountain road maybe Rose. hundreds of maybe hundreds, hundreds of maybe a million millions so jim what do you think uh building a theater a second time around like if you had any advice to give yeah. to those of, of us who are thinking about it on our own or maybe other new companies who are like man we really need our new space because that i think that's one of the first things you run into when you start a theater company um, we have had the pleasure of using so many wonderful spaces in Flagstaff, but it, it's it never quite works until you have your own mm -hmm. access to rehearsal space. You have your own access to set up the Housing stage, to yeah, to have everything studios. that you need in space. So, yeah, what would you say? You know, now now you're on your second go around. What's your do's and don'ts, or your best <laughs> advice, or your biggest mistakes? Well, what's what's so strange about my first company is that we never wanted a space of our own <laughs> that, that we were designed to be a, a touring company and, and we performed, you know, all over the country with, without even a home base until years into what we were doing. Uh, and that home base was using other people's spaces. Mm -hmm. So, for us, we got lucky in that we were successful enough 
that people came to us and said, wow. don't you want your own space? <laughs> don't you want to partner with us to do your own space? And that's how the Blackfriars got built. Amazing. Uh, we were originally approached by a group out of Richmond that was mm. wanting to build a recreation of the globe overlooking the James River. And, mm. and they asked if we wanted to be the anchor company of that. And I said, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and this is this is when we were based in Harrisonburg, Virginia, uh, which is where James Madison University is, which is where I met uh, Ralph Allen Cohen, who was my business partner uh, in the American Shakespeare Center. Uh, and by uh, this was like in the mid 90s, they came to us from Richmond. And at the same time, people from Stanton, Virginia, came to us and said, don't you want to move your operations <laughs> to Stanton and build a theater here in Stanton? Wow. Um, so at one point we were talking about building a Blackfriars in Stanton, uh, and a globe in Richmond. And wow. when I tell the story, I usually say, thank God for unanswered prayers. Hmm. The Richmond project fell through, but we took that architect, Tom McLaughlin and brought him on board to build the Blackfriars. Okay. So, so I stumbled into with the, <laughs> with the first, uh, uh, company building my own space. And, and now I'm talking about building this huge, you know, a uh, hundred million dollar campus yeah. where it, not starting from scratch, not starting from grassroots, but starting off with boom, bang, you've got all these darn seats to fill. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I have all kinds of advice on <laughs> what not to do. Um, and I think that, I think the biggest thing and the thing that's different now than it was in, you know, 800 million years ago when, when <laughs> I, I started the first company is I think all we, we designed a touring company and I would have just toured in Virginia if we had gotten gigs in Virginia. Uh, I didn't know what would happen. All I knew was when you perform Shakespeare using, using the staging conditions that this genius playwright wrote for, you unlock a magic in the plays that's just different than when you play with all the cool things we've invented in 400 years. So I just wanted to show people, isn't Shakespeare cool when you perform it like this? Mm -hmm. And and because my business partner was a Shakespeare professor, we got connected to the Shakespeare professor mafia. Uh, <laughs> and they just kept wanting to book us further and further away. <sighs> so, so it was all about the way we performed and we would go anywhere to do that. I, I would not recommend that as a business model. I think we got lucky with that. I think theater has to be local, that it needs to start locally. And, and that's something that, that we're trying to do in, in Stratford that, that I didn't have to do when I was just building a, a, a touring company. And so trying to be grounded in the community that you're in and offer that community something that they don't get from other places in that community. Mm -hmm. And from everything I've experienced about Flag Shakes, y'all are doing that and and to me that's that's the cornerstone building block that i think everybody needs to have when they start a theater oh wow that's oh, that's that really emotional hit. yeah <laughs> well just no like connecting to your community and yeah. that's that's just so important like you know I mean, thinking it of it on the audience perspective, you never know who is going to come in and sit down and watch your show and how it's going to affect them and the way that they go through life after seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Jim, Absolutely. that hit. 
Jim, I'm super curious. Where where were you guys at at your year seven? So we're in our year year seven. So I just want to hear. Oh, lucky were... number seven. Sorry, yeah. and it's our seventh episode. Oh, you're right. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, look at us go. Um, what were you? Well, again, yeah. What was your What was your again, year seven? Again, because like? we were a because we were a touring company, it was kind of a different animal. Um, we had been through the the early phases of hey, actors, we can't uh, pay you until we get done with this tour, <laughs> yeah. and then we can probably pay you gas money. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and the, big, the big leap came in 1992, where for part of the calendar year of 92, I committed to, hey, actors, I can't pay you a lot, but I can pay you this much plus housing mm -hmm. when we are in our hometown of Harrisonburg uh, and all of, all of your lodging when we're out on the road is going to be covered uh, when a venue, uh, a venue will be required to feed us and or give us money for, to feed you. Can you work for us full time mm. so that we can be available full time? And that was the big leap. Could I, could I contract actors to be full-time uh, folks, and because we were therefore available full-time, could I make us enough money by yeah. booking us? We, we didn't do ticket splits. We we you know got contracted by universities and performing arts centers, and in those early days, some high schools as well, where they would pay us a flat fee. And so, as the person running the business, I had to get us enough gigs so that we could continue to pay people full time. Right. And so uh, that happened starting in, in 92. We had two sections of that year. Half of it was full time while the first half was not. And then in 93, I took the next big leap, which is uh, we're going to hire you actors for 12 months. And we're going to pay you so that you don't have to work another job. You're not going to make a lot of money, right. but you can make enough to live on, you know, unless you are somebody who, you know, uh, had too many student loans or, or whatever. We, we, had, we had all kinds of people come and work for us full time. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and some of them managed to save money, even though it wasn't a lot. Um, well, so, when you're not paying rent, so, that really helps. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that, you know, I I didn't realize it at the time, yeah. but that was the, a game changer. Oh, you know, yes. to rent a house where we could house everybody, mm -hmm. and then eventually, you know, became became two houses or became you know rooms in a house plus apartments. It, as soon as you can do that and not have to do that paying rent thing. That opened us up to to hiring people from all over uh, uh, to come in. It wasn't it wasn't just local actors in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, it, it was you know I, I made the leap to go to the audition conferences, you know, SETC and NETC, where hundreds of actors would audition for dozens of companies, mm -hmm. uh, and so so we were able to grow in a, at a different rate because of those things, because we didn't have a home. So by year seven, that was in, in the, the mid nineties, we, the, it was the mid nineties when we finally hit the, that mark of uh, 47 U S states and five other countries. Wow. Um, wow. And, and, <laughs> and we went to, uh, we went to the Edinburgh festival in Scotland 
and we... Okay, we lost Jim for a moment, but he is back. Jim, (laughs) you had been talking about how you were in 47 states at year seven, and you were in Edinburgh. That's where you left off. Uh, Yeah, we should have gone under because we we miscalculated how much darn money it took to go to Edinburgh. But like so many other times along the way, uh, I, I figured out a business way to dig ourselves out of out of the different holes that we created. Mm-hmm. Uh, the easiest time for us was during the school year when we could be booked in by colleges and mm-hmm. performing arts centers. Uh, but during the mm-hmm. summer, we did a whole variety of things uh, uh, that should have killed us as well. Uh, <laughs> Been we, there. We picked a few... <laughs> We picked a few cities, and so uh, uh, we would pick a city and uh, rent a theater and, in some cases, hire a publicist uh, and try and make, you know, the summer uh, a time where where we traveled to big cities. So we did Washington, D.C., and Boston, and Chicago, uh, and Philadelphia, and we got great reviews that helped continue our, our – trajectory uh but we also other than dc uh we lost money in most of those cases mm-hmm. uh, and again not enough to kill us but enough to, to make it harder and somehow we got out of it um and 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 we we started to arrange a home space uh first in harrisonburg and then in stanton places that we could play uh during the summer that would um that would help us with audiences in the Shenandoah Valley. So we were, we were partnered with the Folger in Washington, DC. And we were actually the first outside group that they hired after Michael Kahn took the Shakespeare theater out of the Folger and built their own space at the Landsberg with, with the Shakespeare theater. So, Hmm. uh, so the Folger had a built in audience and, and that's, that's, you know, those summers is when we were doing, ticket splits and and paying rent on venues and things Mm -hmm. like that which we figured out a way eventually to make enough money but it was barely Um, (laughs) so so the whole idea of touring was 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 uh tricky but also sustainable for us right Um, and again that thing when 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 you can pay actors full-time then you can make money full-time uh and and that's that's something that I would wish on everybody at every theater <laughs> company that is really, really hard is, is yeah. how can you handle housing? How yeah. can you, you know, figure out a way to pay people enough to live on? And, and in this day and age, coming out of, out of COVID, my hope is that more theaters are trying to figure that out for them so that that actors don't feel like uh, they are busting their butts and uh, and not making enough to to survive. And in most cases, it's about it's about day jobs, you know, yeah. and it's about yeah. can you make enough doing theater and your day job to feel like you you can sustain yourself financially and be an artist. And yeah. and that's that's tricky, tricky stuff. Housing is really detrimental, at least when I was not here in Flagstaff full time. I 
was only able to work with theaters that could offer me free housing because I would literally didn't have a home. I was literally going from show to show, theater to theater throughout the year. And I had to amalgamate my home, (laughs) you know, throughout throughout the year just by wherever I was working. And if I happened to have a week or two between, I would go on vacation, (laughs) you know, or visit a friend or something because I, yeah, I literally needed that free housing to to make it through and I think that's one reason you know we can get higher caliber actors here in Flagstaff is that is because we can offer housing um and, and that's a God game changer housing hosts yes shout out to them oh my gosh because here housing is <sighs> so incredibly expensive we're landlocked here yeah and so it's, yeah. it's very different than a lot of other cities and it's always something I'm racking my brain about because yeah. Jim's absolutely right the other um you know, the other repertory theater that I worked at as an intern and sort of got to know the inner workings of, they also had housing. They had yeah, a huge... That they owned. Yes, yeah. that they owned. They had a huge building. Um, it had two sides to it, you know, five bedrooms and then shared That's areas. Crazy. And that kind of thing in Flagstaff, Arizona is millions Impossible. and millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very hard. So we really struggle with it here, but it's something that's always on our minds. And yeah, thank God we have people who are willing to put up a bedroom, put up a, a mm-hmm. house, a condo, whatever, uh, to house our actors because otherwise, yeah, we really wouldn't be able, mm-hmm. especially to bring people to such an expensive city yeah. as yeah. actors and ask right. them to work here. When you're only going to be here six weeks, it's just yeah. impossible. You can't get a six-week lease and also no. furniture. And, you know, it's just, it's just yeah. too much. It's and just impossible. And, you know, I think a one-bedroom apartment here right now is 2100 yeah. yeah. So It's <laughs> comparable to New York City. Yeah, it's, it's really insane. insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my cousin <sighs> just moved to L.A. He's doing sound design at a college in L.A. And my aunt said she rented him an apartment there for the same amount that he rented his apartment oh here. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So it's really getting crazy. But, yeah. It's all those students. They're stealing all of our, <laughs> all of our cheap housing. I think it's <laughs> multifaceted. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Everyone's buying our houses. <laughs> yeah, but that's such a good point. And paying actors has always been, you know, I think that it's it's the place where companies either get it right or get it wrong. That that has to be like, even if you're not able to do it on the level that you want to yet, which is certainly where Flag Shakes is still and certainly probably where, you know, where it sounds like you guys were in those early years of Shenandoah Shakespeare. Even if you can't uh if you even if you can't be there, if you lose sight of it as the goal, that's the problem. Yeah. If you start putting that money somewhere else before the actors, yeah, that's the huge problem. The actors. So, I mean, yeah. we, we and I hope text. that that I hope that we're in the middle of a change where people are thinking about that more, so that that as as companies are able to grow, they are prioritizing those kinds of living situations that then also lead to. I can I can live here, you know. Yeah. I can I can yeah. stay here, um, yeah. because that's that that's next level. The first level is is you can hire people who are contract folks who come in and and have their housing covered and make a decent amount of money, and then they go away, and then they come back. But then the next step is how do we continue to build uh, the possibility where people can live here full time and and work for the theater full-time yeah. um and you know that everybody has that goal i think uh but sometimes uh the priority the, the priorities um get a little messed up and and companies start spending money on other things other right. than trying to create you know and sustainable people. living yeah. yeah and that's also yeah. that's one of the people. other beauties people, of people. 
original staging practices that it allows that money to go to the actors yeah. instead of pyrotechnics or yeah. <laughs> anything else you could be exactly. spending money on. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, so speaking of a uh, spectacle, <laughs> uh, we only have a couple minutes left, Jim, but or we only have one minute left, one Jim. Minute. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> could you quickly just, if you wanted to, I know you're a sports lover. What, what is in two sentences or less? <laughs> Your favorite sort of, I guess, connection between sports and theater that you see? Uh, Everybody, uh, well, not everybody. A lot of folks often think of Shakespeare as something uh, highfalutin and high culture. And from the beginning of of me starting a company, I wanted Shakespeare to be immediate and accessible. And the two things that that always struck me as, as ways to convey that uh, are sports and rock and roll. <laughs> yes. And uh, so, so I also think that, that in Shakespeare's day, theater was more like a sporting event than a high culture sit in the dark kind of thing that, that it often is today. So I'm always looking for ways to, to make Shakespeare connect to, to actors and audiences in a visceral way, in a heartfelt way. And sometimes sports is, is a way to convey that. If you don't like sports, then there are other ways to convey it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the three of us are like, uh, uh sports? sports? <laughs> sports? Rock and roll I can get behind. Rock and roll, sports. yeah. Exactly. There, we go. there we go. For anyone who doesn't know Jim, when he walks in a room, he's either wearing a rock and roll t-shirt, so some tour t-shirt, or a jersey, or <laughs> something cap. like Yeah, so yeah. he's, uh, yeah, he's our sports guy yeah. <laughs> um well we are fully out of time every time this happens we are still surprised <laughs> um but is there anything you want to leave a, you know leave leave our audience with about shakespeare directing founding a company sports <laughs> anything like that uh, i, I want to leave them with with get your butts to flagstaff Woo! Yeah. The, the flagstaff is a is an incredible community and, and the work that Flag Shakes is doing, I think, is not only awesome, but is part of what's needed in our arts world and in our education world. And so uh, I, I know that this, this podcast gets heard by, by locals, but also by lots of folks who don't live in Flagstaff. And so uh, I say go to Flagstaff. Uh, and <laughs> it, it's a great community and it's a beautiful place. And the work is uh, wonderful, done by wonderful people, including you three. No. And including you. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, so you've grateful. already directed uh, four of our plays. That's so many. <laughs> In like nine months. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I, I feel like it's us. It's yes. us. When, when I talk about flag shake, it's us. Yes, exactly. Well, Jim, thank you so much for being here today. We're so happy that you have uh, joined us for four shows now and hopefully many more to come. And you're just such an inspiration about, you know, grassroots from the ground up. And, you know, uh, we're just proud to work with you. So, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for everyone to listen. Absolutely. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for everyone who's listening to this month's episode of Untamed Shrews. I'm Dawn. 
I'm Becky. And I'm Hannah. Join us next month for an episode with our new equality and casting assistant, Raquel McKenzie. She is an actor, director, producer, poet, and an all-around lovely human that we cannot wait for you guys to meet. Follow the Flagstaff Shakespeare Festival on Instagram at Flagshakes and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Flagstaff Shakespeare Festival. All episodes of Untamed Shrews can be found on sunsounds.org, the Flagstaff Shakespeare Festival YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. This episode of Untamed Shrews starring Don Tucker, Becky Zeritsky, Hannah Fonts, and Jim Warren. Show art by Calliope Lou Decker, podcast theme song by Cadence Lamb, podcast edited by Hannah Fonts, and a special thanks to Gina Byers. Yes! Woo! <laughs> Bye, everyone! Bye! Bye, Bye Jim! Bye, Jim! Bye! Bye. <laughs>